Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. When it comes to eating well, sometimes it feels like it's a guessing game. Even if something looks good for me, the label is usually full of mystery ingredients. Who's got time for that? Not me. That's why I love Daily Harvest. They say no to weird ingredients, fillers, seed oils, added sugars, and even gluten if that's something you avoid. So all I have to do is say yes to delicious, easy-to-prep options that never leave me wondering what's really in my food. They deliver delicious options such as smoothies, harvest bowls, soups, and my new favorite, their bites that are built on organic fruits and vegetables straight to my door. Thanks to Daily Harvest, I always have something convenient in my freezer, especially on a really busy day. Take the guessing out of eating well and try Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash ifstories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than deny myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here, so let's get excited to talk to today's guest. everybody, and welcome to episode 101 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Linda Varghese. Linda lives in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and she's originally from India, and she works as a pathologist. Welcome, Linda. Thank you, Jen. It's so nice to talk to you. Well, it's great to talk to you today. You know, I like to start by asking, what brought you to intermittent fasting, and when was that? Sure. So uh, the first time I heard about the term intermittent fasting was actually in 2016. You know, I've been trying to lose weight for like ever. And then around 2016, I guess, was Dr. Michael Mosley, I think is his name. He was a proponent of the 5-2 fast, intermittent fast. And he had a book on it and a lot of blogs on it. And so I came across that. And so I thought, okay, let me go ahead and try that. So that was a fast where, you know, it's a 5-2, which means two days you eat less than 500 calories, and then the rest of the five days you eat normal. Yeah, I I was really intrigued by all of those plans, those alternate daily fasting plans early on too, because I was like, oh, you only need to, quote, diet two days a week. That sounded just really awesome. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And And he, you know, there was some science behind it too, and so I kind of liked that. So I tried that and I was trying to uh, extend my 500 calories throughout the day. So like 100 calorie, maybe breakfast and then 100 calorie lunch. So it was getting to be too tedious. And then the rest of the five days, I kind of felt like I was compensating for that. So anyway, I tried that for almost two years. And then towards the end of 2018, the term time-restricted feeding or the daily intermittent fasting was kind of getting more mainstream. 
And so then I heard about the 16-8 fast. So then I thought, okay, that'll fit more with my, you know, I'm, I'm like, I want something consistent that I can do every day. And so I started doing that. Now I have a question for you. That was, you did 5-2 for two years. On and off, actually. Okay. When I really got frustrated, I would get off and then again, jump back on. But yeah, I kind of tried for about almost two years. And did you have weight loss success with it? I did. I did. But, you know, it was all white knuckling, as you often right. say. It was yes. tedious. It was not something that I was comfortable. You know, it was always like a stressful thing. You know, it was like something to do. Those two days were not enjoyable. No, no. And the rest of the days, too, I'm like, oh, the, you know, my, my 500 calorie day is coming. And so then I need to <laughs> overeat to compensate. You know, it was, it was right. always like a mental juggling there. And then, so finally, when I started the time-restricted feeding or intermittent daily fasting, I tried that, started that about end of 2018, but still it was not clean fasting, which is a term I didn't know till I started listening to you, Jen, and read your book. Well, thank you. You know, I did, we did kind of make that up in our Facebook support groups. Um, Gosh, maybe it was in 2018 itself is when we started using that terminology. It's actually not in delay don't deny. I did not use the term oh, because we hadn't been saying it yet. So it's not yeah. in, it's not in the book, the first book. It's in my new book, Fast Feast Repeat. But okay, you know, I love the the idea of the clean fast because that's when our bodies can clean. You know, we're cleaning behind the scenes because we're fasting clean. And so, <laughs> but you're right, not knowing about the clean fast. Like when you were doing those two days of the 500 calories, I remember doing that too. It was so hard. Exactly. And so when I shifted to the daily 16-8 fasting again, it was with the dirty fasting. So I was doing the creamer and the coffee and the Splenda and the Stevia. And then I read somewhere, I don't know where, that if you keep your calorie less than 50 calories, you're not breaking your fast. That is a rumor that is everywhere. <laughs> People loved, I mean, like I heard that too early on. Oh, if it's less than 50 calories, it doesn't break the fast. I mean, with that mindset, you could like eat a jelly bean every 15 minutes and still be <laughs> fasting, right? Exactly. That's nonsense when you think about it. <laughs> yes. So even though I was losing some weight on and off, it was so stressful. And then it was around May of 2019. So last year, 2019 May, I was starting to listen to different podcasts. And I came across your and Melanie's podcast, the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Yes. And so, and then I listened to you and you guys, and you were talking about clean fasting and how, you know, easy and stress-free it is once you start clean fasting. And I was like hooked on. And I, I started, I read Dr. Jason Fung's Obesity Code. And then, of course, your uh, this podcast, Intermittent Fasting Stories, and your book, Delay Don't Deny, and then decided, okay, I'm going to jump in and start this clean fasting. So it was May 12th of 2019. I remember the date because that was Mother's Day last year. Aww. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do, you know, start with black tea, black coffee. And Jen, I tell you, I hated black coffee. It was so bitter. Right? It was like drinking motor oil or something. I and get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I had to kind of add diluted. I added a lot of ice and then gulp it down and then gulp a whole glass of water after it, you know, whatever I could do to just to keep myself, you know, in the clean fasting till I could break my fast. And so that started in May of 2019. And, you know, it took a while in the beginning, maybe a couple of weeks, I want to say at least a month for me to get used to that. But then after that, it, I tell you, just like you said, it became so easy at like clockwork, you know, it's just, just fit into yeah. my life. And yeah. And I, and, can I, can I just interrupt you again and say, I really want people who don't understand the power of the clean fast to just, it's not because I'm trying to like take everything that is good of life away from you during the fast and make you suffer through this black coffee because I'm, you know, bossy. It's because I really have heard what Linda, you know, what you're saying right now. I have heard this from thousands of people who have tried it both ways. And once you adjust to the clean fast, you're really, 
you're going to be able to tell the difference. You know, we only think that those things are making the fast easier. We only think the creamer is helping us. We only think the sweetener is helping us. You know, we could call them crutches, those things that, you know, we think the the little bit of butter in your coffee, whatever it is that you're you're holding on to. So I just want to challenge everybody. I have it have this in Fast Feast Repeat. It's called the Clean Fast Challenge. For people who, you know, are stuck on the 50 calories doesn't break the fast, or I read it in this blog, or I saw this YouTube video that said that stevia is okay because it doesn't whatever. I want to challenge you to try it. Just, you know, like you did, Linda, for everybody else who might not get it yet, try it for a month. Give yourself a month. The gift of the clean fast for one month. Black coffee black tea, green tea, plain water, unflavored, no sweeteners, no creamers, not a little bit of almond milk, nothing. That's all food. And then experience it for yourself. You can tell I'm passionate about it because I really want people to feel the difference. Yep, I agree. And it actually makes your fasting times so much more easier. I mean, once you try it and get used to it, it's just, I never want to go back. It's true. You know, I used to think gum was helping me through the fast back when I didn't understand before I read the obesity code. Man, I chewed a lot of gum. Like I always was popping a new piece of gum in my mouth, <laughs> but I haven't chewed gum probably since 2016. Huh. As soon as I read the obesity code, there went yep. the gum yep. and man, it made a difference. Oh, totally. And then for me, something else that I had to tweak, Jen, is so in the beginning in May, when I started my intermittent, you know, the clean fasting, all the blogs and most of your, you know, stories and everything, the people were fasting breakfast and lunch and mostly doing dinner. Right. Well, I, I have always been a breakfast person. And then with my job as a pathologist, and it's mentally very challenging, but I still try to push my window towards the dinner and it was it was hard and finally I thought you know what I'm going to maybe turn it around and eat breakfast and maybe lunch and then fast dinner and once I started doing that moving my window up in the morning it just just completely fit into my lifestyle and I, I love I, it. I know you always say tweak it till it becomes your plan right so. I think that's really important for people who are really struggling with trying to find the time of day and feel it feels forced. If you continue to do it and it feels forced, experiment with that eating window timing, just like you did. So you're, you eat breakfast and lunch typically? I do. So what I do is I fast, I break my fast around 9am in the morning. So I have breakfast then and maybe lunch around 12 or 1. So I'm like a, not an OMAD, but maybe a two mat. I don't know if that's a term, but two meals a day, most day. And then that's it. And then I close the window around noon and then don't eat till next day morning. And that's working perfectly for me. And I, Jen, I've binge listened to all your stories. And I think it it was, I don't know if it was episode 69, I forget it, one of the 60s episode where you had one person, just one person who said she does the same thing. It's right. in the morning, 9 to 12. And I'm like, hallelujah, there's someone else out there like yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. And I actually did an informal survey in the um, one of the Facebook groups last year just to get an idea. And and there are people, you know, it's a very small percentage. I have these, these numbers in Fast Feast Repeat. So anybody who has that, you can look in the eating window chapter to see, but there is a small percentage of, of people who have a morning window. A couple of the moderators, we have 60 something moderators and a couple of them are morning window people. It really, if it works for you, then it really, really does. So I, you know, all the research on circadian rhythm, you know, we're not all the same. And you know when it feels right. That's that's what I think. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I do have social obligations and dinners and stuff I have to go to. So if need be, I'll just switch my window that day or just extend it to maybe an eight-hour window. So I'm not, you know, it's not like it's strict morning. You know, if I need to change it, I do change it, change it up and then come back to when when I need to. So... And that's the beauty of it. You really can be flexible with it. And, you know, if you do shift it later, you'll have a little bit of a longer fast that day. That's right. But if you have a longer window, that is also fine. Exactly. Exactly. It's a lifestyle, as you always say, you know, it's not like a diet or it's not restrictive. It's just, it's just a lifestyle. And, you, you know, it's just as life changes, your daily routine changes, you may have to tweak it a little bit here and there. But overall... It's gonna you're gonna have that restriction, which is so important for keeping your insulin low. So, 
So how has how has your weight loss gone? So I I'm 45 years old and I'm five three and I'm medium built, and I I have only been 15 to 20 pounds overweight all my life. So I know the numbers don't look that high. But Jen, that extra 20 pounds on me was actually causing more problems than someone who is, let's say, 50 or 100 pounds overweight. It's because of the way I carry the weight. Right. My build or phenotype is I'm a person who carries almost all my fat, either in my face or my abdomen. And so even if it was just 20 pounds, it's all just packed there. My extremities right. are very thin. It's almost like... Have you heard of the Cushingoid features where you have the yes. face and the like belly Cushing's and all that? Yes, like Cushing's disease. Yes, exactly. Yes. That's the term they use. And so I already had abdominal obesity. If you look at the measurements for, have you heard of metabolic syndrome where they talk about the risk, risk factors? Yes. Explain that to people real quick, what, what that is coming from you as a, as a pathologist, as a physician. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, metabolic syndrome, it's like a group of risk factors. They look at different numbers to predict your risk for getting a heart disease or diabetes later on. So a couple of things they look at is the abdominal, your waist measurement. And for there's like a waist to hip ratio where you measure your waist circumference and then divide it by the measurement of the hip. And so they want women to have a ratio of 0.85 or less. And for men, 0.9 or less, which means for women around more than 36 inches of the waist circumference or for men more than 40 inches is a risk is shown as a risk factor for getting diabetes and heart disease later on. And then of course there's other numbers in it. That's like your blood pressure, your fasting glucose should be less than 100 or 110. And there's your triglycerides. There's multiple numbers in it. And all together is what's the metabolic syndrome. And so you want to you want to make sure your abdominal, you know, waist to hip ratio is less. And for me, even with that 15 to 20 pound increase, I was way above those numbers. So I knew right. I had to cut down. And Jen, I also have a back problem called spondylolisthesis, which means mm -hmm. one of my vertebrae slipped over the other. And so any amount of pressure on my spine causes extreme back pain. So I, for me, that also was another reason why I had to cut down. And there's another reason, Jen, is it's more emotional, is was my addiction to food, I want to say. It's like the food was always, I was so obsessed with food all the time. It's right. always, you know, what am I going to eat? When am I going to eat? And I'm, I'm, I'm eating breakfast and I'm already thinking about the snack. And then after that, what's for lunch? It's like food is this emotional companion for me, whether I'm happy or sad or stressed. And I just wanted to get a control over that. So because of these two reasons was where it was I was trying all this stuff all my life and then finally came to the intermittent fasting in 2016. So the clean fasting I started in May and within it took me about four or five months. By October, I had completely lost that 15 pounds I was down Love to it. my yeah, goal weight. So that was amazing. So the clean fast really made a difference in how you were losing the weight also. Exactly. Because till then, I would lose like five pounds and then gain another five. It was just like a yo-yo going right. back and forth, white knuckling it. But then once I started the clean fasting in May, it just kept dropping. I love to hear that because I really believe in the science of this. And, you know, not everybody agrees with me on the, on the clean fast. <laughs> and some people are like, well, it's better to do at least something versus not do it at all. And I really do think that the clean fast should be what people strive for and start with. And because, you know, I wasted a lot of time not fasting clean because heck, we didn't really understand it. You know, the obesity code, thank goodness, really helped me to, to clarify, oh, okay, this stevia is not helping me at all. And once I understood the insulin connection, it all made sense. That's right. Because now, you know, we as physicians are also understanding that it's not Obesity is not just increased calories and decreased exercise. It's a hormonal disease, and it's because of the high insulin and insulin resistance. And even if the stevia and Splenda, they have zero calories, they are actually causing your insulin to spike. And anything that causes the insulin to spike is just going to feed that vicious cycle of high insulin, high insulin resistance. And to cut that cycle, to break that cycle, the only thing is fasting and that to clean fasting. Right. I, th I think so too. And 
the whole idea that so many of the chronic conditions, you know, metabolic syndrome that you just discussed, but so many of the other things that are going on, autoimmune issues that are such on the rise, so many of these things are related to hyperinsulinemia, having high levels of insulin all the time, you know, polycystic ovarian syndrome, all these different things are related to the high levels of insulin. So, you know, the fasting just helps us to keep those levels of insulin down in a way that, you know, the modern society is just not doing. That's right. And initially, I think people thought, okay, maybe if you just eat healthy, if you just cut refined carbohydrates and starchy food out of your diet, you can get the insulin down. But studies are showing that once it's a time-dependent a process, so, you know, once the insulin resistance sets in after years of unhealthy eating, even if you cut out those food, it's just going to stay high. And fasting is the only thing that has shown to break that and bring Love it down. It. So. So that's why, you know, I know people who say, oh, I eat healthy. I'm, I cut all carbs and I've cut all sugar, but still my weight is not budging. And that's exactly the reason because it just, the insulin resistance just feeds on itself, even if you're eating healthy. Right. And then you have to take the drastic measures now. Maybe you wouldn't have needed those drastic measures 30 years ago, 20 years ago, or whenever the problem started to, to build. But once you're at that point, it's like putting out the fire. You know, you've got to put it out. Exactly. Or it just keeps burning. I don't know. <laughs> That's my analogy, analogy for today. But, yep, yep. but you get it. And it's also why people who have been overweight or obese for a long time may find that, you know, you start intermittent fasting and the weight doesn't just fall right off because you have to correct, you know, these decades of issues. That's right. That's right. So I, yeah, I always tell people, you know, I, it took me, even though I was doing that 5-2 fast for two years and then started the clean fasting in May, it took me at least two months to kind of get, I could feel that inflammation and the bloating right. and all going, going down. It, it took a while. And so, yeah, just to be persistent and just not to throw in the towel after a week or two. Right. Don't don't make a post in the Facebook group that says it's day 10 and I haven't lost any weight yet. This, <laughs> I'm so upset. <laughs> don't do that, y'all. Please don't. You're not it's okay. You know, 10 10 weeks from now we will help you troubleshoot. We will help you figure out what to do. But 10 days, no. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm glad you brought up that chronic disease part because as I said, I'm a pathologist. I look, I mean, I don't have a lot of patient contact. You know, we're like the doctor's doctor or behind the scenes right. doctor. Yeah. Where we deal with the treating physician. I mean, I do have, I do do procedures like bone marrow biopsies and final aspiration. And so that's the extent of the patient contact. But I, I study diseases under the microscope and, and I'm surprised at, you know, how more than 80% of the chronic diseases, how much they're connected to our dietary habits and our poor choice of food. I know you talk about Dr. Madsen's article in the New England Journal of Medicine. Yes. Where, yes, it came out in December in the New England Journal. And we were all so excited to see that because he talks about the what intermittent fasting does at the molecular and the cellular right. level, which really made me happy as a pathologist to see. Because you see it. I mean, you you like are looking at, I mean, you look at things under a microscope, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and so to know the science, yes, it's decreased insulin and breaking the cycle, but under the microscopic level, you know, it's increasing mitochondrial function. It's increasing antioxidant function. It's removing all the damaged proteins and it's recycling the undamaged, you know, there's so much at the molecular level that's happening, you know, increase in the transcription factors and the receptors. And it's amazing what science has gone into to show what intermittent fasting does to the body that it was, it was so encouraging to see that article come out. It was timely. I'm glad to hear you say that because when a lay person like me reads it, you know, I read it and I get excited and I understand enough science because of all the reading that I've done, the studying that I've done, but I'm still, I'm a lay person. I'm not a medical professional. And so I am not going to understand things to the depth that you are. Because I was very excited to read his article, but to hear that you were very excited to read his article from the, yes. the perspective of your job is even more thrilling. Yes, because you know, initially when I go to the doctor's lounge and I tell people about, when I say people, the other physicians about intermittent fasting, there's a lot of fear among the physicians. Like, 
they're like, oh, this is extreme starvation, or it's going to deplete you of nutrients, or you're going to lose muscle mass, and you know, oh, it's going to cause hypoglycemia. There's all these fear in the mind of the physicians that's kind of stopping them from, you know, looking more into it or telling the patients about it. And now with the obesity code and and now with these articles, it's actually, it's opening up, it's becoming more mainstream among the physicians too. It's showing them, hey, it doesn't actually deplete you. It actually, if you eat one nutritious meal a day, that's enough than eating all day, you know, a bad, food. And then it's showing that the growth hormone goes up. So actually, instead of losing muscle, it's actually preserving your lean lean muscle mass. And then studies have shown that your epinephrine level, the noradrenaline levels are going up. So you're actually having more energy instead of being weak or losing focus. Instead of being weak and hangry and right. Yes. You know, I actually heard, I don't know if this is true or just a rumor, but I heard I think someone reported that they heard this on a podcast that Dr. Mark Matson may have said that he wrote that article for the New England Journal of Medicine. They were asked to write it by the New England Journal of Medicine because physicians were asking about fasting because so many patients had been going to their doctors and saying the words intermittent fasting and the doctors, you know, just like you just said, the ones you're running across in the doctor's lounge are like a little suspicious. They didn't really know. Is it good? Is it bad? And so the New England Journal of Medicine asked Dr. Matson to write this article so physicians would have a source. That's interesting. See. That's what I heard. Heard it through yes. the rumor mill. But. <laughs> because for us, the New England Journal is like the Bible. You know, that's right. like the most prestigious journal out there. And if it's quoted in the NEJM, then everybody just accepts it. And so, okay, so I, I'm glad it happened because now they have something to go back to. I mean, there's there's a lot of other studies too in other journals right. too called time restricted feeding, and I think there's something that talks about early time-restricted feeding, like eating more in the morning hours, which I kind of like because that's what I do. I think it's a small study so far, but... Yeah, the one that we've got, there's a, there's a study that we have, and, you know, I always go to the study to read it myself to see, you know, what did they actually do? And, you know, I taught science lab to elementary kids, so I'm big on controlling variables <laughs> and uh-huh. you know, keeping everything the same except the one thing that you're changing. That's what I taught my elementary kids, you know, whatever you want to study, change that one thing. And I know as a scientist, you understand that completely. But the, the study that people talk about a lot, the early time restricted feeding study was done with one group of people who had an early eating window were they were compared to people who ate all day. That's right. So they they found that the early eating window was better than eating all day, but what they didn't compare the early eating window to was an equal later eating window. That's the study I want to see. I want a study where they have an early eating window, maybe a midday eating window, a late day eating window, all other factors being equal, just that, and I want them to have people do it long enough. Because you know, so many of these studies, they have people doing the fasting protocol, whatever it is, for like two weeks. You know, you know that our bodies aren't even adapted yet in two weeks to That's the, right. you know, we're not fat adapted. So if we have a really short intermittent fasting study, it's it's not going to give us the full details. Once we, you know, all Matson talks about it in all of his work, you know, the process is what we have to go through to become fat adapted. You know, flipping the metabolic switch. That was one yes. of his articles that he wrote in an earlier journal. And I love that one because it really, you know, it was like, aha, so many aha moments when I was reading it. But we have to give our body time to adjust. So, yeah, it's flipping as in the sense of instead of glucose, we are using right. actually fat and ketones to, you know, for energy. So, you have to you have to develop the ability to flip it because the people who are eating all day long that are on the glucose based metabolism for years and years and years just from the frequent eating and snacking you know those people aren't just going to start fasting tomorrow and boom now they're tapping into fat you got to build up those mechanisms behind the scenes that you probably understand a thousand times better than i do <laughs> <laughs> that's right and he in his article i just remembered he talks about you know, how intermittent fasting actually increases your, not just a, I mean, increased resistance to stress, not at the, just at the cell level, but overall, you know, in your body, your resistance is increasing to stress, which is amazing because, you know, then you can just, stress doesn't bother you. 
which is amazing yeah. in this day and age when stress causes so much of the disease process. And to have something like that, a tool in your toolkit, just to be able to yeah, deal with stress, that's amazing. And you, when you really dig into the research and hear that, that's important because there's also a rumor out there, just like the one you mentioned earlier about 50 calories doesn't break the fast, that rumor that gets spread. Yeah. There's also a rumor that fasting is too much stress for people, especially women. So don't do it. Or like you should only do it, you know, here and there and then stop doing it. And so, you know, to hear you talk about the stress aspect of it. That's right. And they have shown that in studies. So I would, that's a complete rumor if people think that it's going to stress your body. It's actually at the molecular level, it's it's cleaning up all your proteins and it's, it's preparing your body. And with the autophagy, it's actually cleaning up your brain and increasing your memory and increasing your ability to deal with stress. And clarity and focus. And I, I would say it's the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Now there's a possibility that someone could do too much fasting. Like if you decided to do like a 30 day fast, that's going to be a lot of stress on the body or, you know, we're not exactly. talking about that. We're talking about intermittent fasting. You can overdo the fasting, you know, anything you could overdo drinking water, you could overdo. Mm-hmm. So anything that's good for you, you could do too much of it. And so fasting is no different. It's, it's finding that balance. And I think the physicians who are on board now are trying to tell people to start it slow, not to be like a hero. And if you're never right. fasted, to jump onto like 24 hours, start it slow, maybe 10 hours and then 12 hours, and then slowly push it to, and what they're suggesting is maybe go up to 16 hours and to do it. So start slow and then do like a daily time restrict. Time restricted feeding is, I think, the more term that the physicians are using now instead of fasting intermittent fasting. I think so. Yeah, time-restricted eating really is a, a great way of looking at it because it doesn't give that same feeling of fasting just sounds so restrictive. Yeah, yeah. So we'll hear that more, more and more, I think. <laughs> and, and overall, I can see in the medical field how everything will... I did my medical school training in the late 90s. So that was when, you know, it was a low-fat diet and eat six meals a day. And the whole food pyramid was inverted. You know, it's like breads and rice and pastas every day and then meat and fat sparingly. So there's a lot of stuff that we have to unlearn before, you know, in our lives and then take it to our patients. Like, you know, it's okay to fast and it's okay to eat good fats and you don't have to eat, you know, six meals a day. One meal a day, if it's nutritious, is more than enough to take care of you. You know, stuff like that. It's a lot of unlearning that the physicians have to do. Absolutely. And people are worried about that too. What you just said that one nutritious meal a day is enough for your body because, you know, just like you mentioned the food pyramid, we've Mm -hmm. been given all these nutritional guidelines, like make sure you get, you know, X, Y, Z every single day. And so people think, wait, I can't get all of those daily allowance requirements in one meal a day. So you, can you speak to that for a minute? Yeah, so the studies they have shown is if you, even if you're eating like one meal a day, if it is nutritious, overall it's shown that that is enough to sustain you. Are you tired of feeling tired? Are you someone who hits snooze and then slams your head straight back on the pillow? Magnesium Breakthrough is an all-natural supplement that helps you sleep more peacefully and wake up feeling refreshed. Magnesium Breakthrough is the only magnesium supplement on the market that contains the optimal ratio of all seven essential types of magnesium. So if you want to feel more energized and get the best night's sleep you've had in forever, check out bioptimizers.com slash ifstories. In addition to the discount you get by using the promo code ifstories10, you can get free gifts with your purchase up to two travel size bottles of magnesium breakthrough and who does not love something free act fast this is a limited time offer go now to bioptimizers.com slash if stories and don't forget to use the promo code if stories 10 you'll be amazed at how much better you feel by taking magnesium breakthrough when you're an american express platinum card member don't be surprised if you say things like chef what course are we on i've, I've lost count or shoot that shoot that And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. 
compared to someone else who is spreading out and eating six meals a day and eating other, you know, more junk food and less nutritious food. Overall, if you take, I mean, maybe on a daily basis, there could be some different levels of nutrients going in. But then when you do, when you look at it overall, maybe in a, in a weekly or in a monthly calculation, you're just, your body is getting enough nutrition and it's also more beneficial because then you're adding that fasting hours in between and all the wonderful, beautiful microscopic stuff we talked about is also happening on top of that. So you're actually, whatever you're eating is a channel to more nutritious and more productive in your body. And so overall, I think that's what the studies have shown that it's not going to cause hypoglycemia, it's not going to cause starvation, but it's the opposite. It actually clearing the inflammation and getting the body, cleaning up the mitochondria and making it, you know, making the cell cycle more efficient. It's it's just it's just a better better result. Right. And it's the overall pattern of what we're eating that matters. You know, you want to eat a variety of foods from day to day instead of feeling like you have to meet the whole recommended daily allowance every single day of the week. Exactly. It happens over time. And that's the part that, that, you know, people worry about until, you know, I just remember when my boys were little and worried about, the, you know, what they were eating. Maybe one day they weren't hungry at all. And the doctor's like, don't worry about it. It's over time. It's, you know, today he ate this, tomorrow he'll eat that. It's it's the overall pattern that, that matters. That's right. That's right. And, you know, people, if they want to, I mean, I'm a person who still, I like carbs. And so I do, I'm not, like I haven't completely cut carbs out and not even low carb. I do eat, like I like my breads and I like pasta and rice and all that, but not every day and maybe once in a while. And that, that kind of diet helps me. But, you know, if you want to go totally low carb, if you want to go keto, you know, however you want to do it, it's totally fine. You know, you can tweak it during your eating window. I have found that I still have cut out sweets because I found that it just doesn't, sit well with me once now that yeah. my body has flushed out all that inflammation it just gets me back into that bloating so I yeah so that's something I stay away from yeah I sadly have come to that same re- realization for me and it's really I'm sad about it because <laughs> I love ice cream and I would like <laughs> to have ice cream there was a time I was eating ice cream every day and but my body has let me know through no uncertain terms that it does not like that much sugar mm-hmm I think once you get used to that healthy eating, your body just tells you, hey, this, <laughs> this is yeah. not going to sit well. You don't feel good after. And no, after, and I'm, so, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm a little mad about that but <laughs> because, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm like, I want to eat. I want to bake brownies and have, but I don't want to have, you know, restless legs. So I'm eating like a grown up and sometimes I'll have it and sometimes I won't. But more times than not, the answer is no. Yep. And for me, of course, I talked about the weight loss and the back pain is gone. I used to have a lot of migraines before, maybe stress-induced, and that has gone down like so much. I used to, sometimes I used to get migraines like every other day, and now it's like maybe once a month and that too, not even, you know, that severe, it's just a mild headache or something. And that I see if I, during my eating window, if I'm doing too sugar or too much carb, I do see that there's an up in the migraine. So stuff like that. And then bloating. I used to be very bloated in the evenings a lot before I started the clean fasting and that's completely gone. That's wonderful. So your gut is changing too. Your gut microbiome's probably had some positive. Yes. Yes. And so as you say that there's a lot of non-scale victories. I do, I do weigh myself even now consistently, maybe not every day, but maybe every other day or a couple of times a week i like to i like to see some you know some numbers just to track but then i don't hold myself to a particular weight i have like a 5 to 10 pound kind of a window right just a to, range just to keep that myself works. yeah but i can tell with all my other my the back pain and the migraine and stuff that's gone i i can i i know it's working i don't have to look at my weight to know that this is working and you can just probably feel like overall level of inflammation, like you talked about before you had a really puffy face. Is that is that better? Yes, yes. And the overall, yes, yes, totally. We see that a lot. Like when people show their before and afters, you really see a difference in the overall, in the face, and people's eyes. Like people have such more vibrant eyes in their after photos. 
Yeah. And as I said, I, I skipped dinner. And so initially I thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to come back from work and I'm not eating and I, I'm going to be so tired because that's the time I spend with my kids and my husband. And now I find I'm, I'm so alert and energetic and I can actually channel my energy into spending time with my family or cooking or you know doing other stuff. I'm not just bogged down with eating and thoughts of food. And so it's been such a blessing. It's almost like I can channel my energy into other productive stuff, you know, getting my life back kind of. And have to think about eating only only, you know, when I open open my window at nine and then close it at one and that's it. After that it's 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 out of my mind. I don't have to think about it. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know kissing under the bridge of sighs guarantees eternal love. Because you're the long-distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15, discount not applicable to partner-operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know. So what happened with your waist measurement? I know you were talking about before that you had a, a really big waist measurement. How has that changed for you? Yep, and that's all come down. And now, thankfully, I'm under that ratio for the Yay. abdominal obesity. Yeah, so so that's another measurement I keep track of, and that's staying there. And um, you know, I know as long as I continue this, it's gonna stay put. So so yeah. So you before you would you would say that you you were experiencing metabolic syndrome, and now you're not. Exactly. Yep. That's completely reversed. My cholesterol did go up a little bit right after I started intermittent fasting. And so when I went to the my primary care, she was a little bit concerned about that and wanted to put me on a medication. But but I was trying to tell them, hey, with intermittent fasting, actually, initially, the LDL levels may go up a bit. And then I had another test recently, and it's completely right. come down. Love it. From a doctor's perspective, can you explain why the LDL might go up at first? Because we hear that a lot. That's right. And so with the now that the glucose is not being metabolized, it's the fat that's broken into free fatty acid and glycerol. And then that's going into the liver where, you know, 80% of the cholesterol that the body needs actually is made in our body. And only 20% actually comes from the diet we eat. And so with the increased levels of breaking down of fat and the free fatty acid and glycerol and stuff, and there's more metabolites for the liver to synthesize more of the cholesterol. So, so then initially you start seeing in the body, this is all new to the body too, new to the liver, because you know with the flipping of the switch. And so there's sudden increase in production of lipids. And so the LDL curve starts going up. But once the body gets used to that, and that's like the new mode of processing in the cell cycle. And then it, it starts going down because the body just adjusts to that, the new mode of how things are broken down in the body and how energy is produced. And so when it gets used to that, and it takes a while. So that's why I was telling my PCP, you know, this is, this is going to go down. And then I just recently had a fasting lipid test done and everything was back to normal. So just once the body starts getting used to the new mode of energy production and knows that, you know, you don't need to keep bumping up your LDL. So it just goes back to, it gets into a new rhythm. Yeah, I think that's important. And I'm, I'm glad that you explained that because, and I'm also pretty sure your primary care doctor was glad that you understood that and could explain that to her. Right. That's right. And I actually uh, have a cardiologist friend. I was exp I'm trying to explain this to him. And, you know, some some physicians are still old school and don't want to 
think that you know you can get all your energy from from fat alone and ketones right. and so it's it's going to take some more time but I want to mention my sister is actually an endocrinologist so she treats diabetic patients that that's her specialty so I, I I initially I used to talk to her about intermittent fasting and then she some of her patients have started intermittent fasting and then she saw that they either they cut down their dose of insulin or some patients actually completely came off insulin. Love it. And so wow. she was so impressed that she got on board. And now she and her husband, who is an anesthesiologist, they both are doing 16-8 fast because, you know, there's so many patients coming by talking about intermittent fasting. That So that's a great testament. I think when the patients, when the physicians look at their levels and see that, hey, they don't need that much insulin anymore and all they're doing is fasting, that, that really get, just gave me the chills, <laughs> really, because that is so exciting, you know, that your endocrinologist sister is not only seeing amazing results in her patients who are doing intermittent fasting, but decided to adopt the lifestyle herself along with her anesthesiologist husband. That's right. That's right. That's amazing. So it is slowly but surely, it is kind of becoming mainstream among the physicians too. So that's good news. My dad, well, I've tried to, he's an internist too. And Jen, he does a lot of research on the gut microbiome and uh -huh. not in an intermittent fasting. What he does is the probiotics. So he has research on how homemade yogurt three times a day, which is like one of the best probiotics, how that has helped patients with either IBS or irritable bowel syndrome or IBD inflammatory bowel disease. So right. he's about 500 patients. He lives in Kentucky and he works there and he's been following the patients for about six months. And a lot of patients just being on probiotics, it's, it completely reverses their symptoms. And so the gut microbiome, that's been a huge area of his research. And I've been telling him, you know, intermittent fasting actually has shown to alter the gut microbiome. There are studies that showing intermittent fasting and the change in the gut microbiome and like co increased cognitive function and memory and all that. So I think that's something I want him to add maybe to his. That's very cool. <laughs> and is he open to, to that idea? I've been talking to him. I need to show him some of the studies. I've told him about the New England Journal of Medicine. So to combine that with the probiotic and how that can change the gut microbiome, I think that's, that's, a, that's an amazing area that's being studied too. Have you read The Diet Myth by Tim Spector? No, I have not. I would pull that one out. That is such a good book. Tim Spector is a research scientist from England, Great Britain, uh -huh. and he is actually the head of the British Gut Project. So I would bet your dad is familiar with his work. He's also yeah. done a lot of work with twins. Okay. You know, they're, they're studying like the relationship between the gut, your genetics, your health, all of that. And and how that he actually is doing some, some work right now, a new study. They're still gathering the data. I know some friends that have participated in it as subjects for the study where they're tracking you know, continuous glucose monitoring and based on foods that you're eating and how your body responds to those. But The Diet Myth by Tim Spector is a really, really great book. Okay. And he mentions fasting in there. It's several years old. It's not new, but I'm, I'm fascinated. Tim Spector. Tim Spector and Mark Matson. they're my two um, favorite research scientists. Yes. Okay, yes. well, no, that's a lie. My favorite research scientist is my husband, Dr. Chad Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but those other two are my second and third favorite, so... <laughs> sure. And Dr. Yeah. Matson's I think his review article was talking about the effect of intermittent fasting in all the neurodegenerative disorders like Alzheimer's. I think it's still preclinical stage yet. They need right. more studies, but it's showing how it can actually yeah, help with Alzheimer's and that's his know. research specialty. Matson yes. is the brain guy, but yeah, a lot of it is we, we do need more more work on it, but the it's so promising. Well, I'll be interested to hear, you know, what if you can get your dad on board. Oh, sure. Yeah, know. that'll be amazing. And my husband, he's not a physician. And he, you know, he was skeptical in the beginning because he's seen me try all sorts of things, Jen, in the, in the last few years. And so he thought, oh, this is another one of her things and it's going to pass on. But, but it's been almost a year and he is amazed at the 
not just the weight loss, but the non-scale victories, like my migraine, it was like a huge issue at home, right? Because it right. was affecting my, not just my work, but my life at home. And so now that I'm free of it, the back pain, the bloating, it's just, he was so impressed that he's on board now. He's doing, you know, off and on 16-8, not regularly. I mean, he doesn't have a lot of weight to lose uh, anyways. Right. Just That's like my with. husband. Yep. <laughs> he never That's needed right. to lose the weight, but he became sold on the health benefits. And so he started doing it. Mm -hmm. And for him, I think, again, getting used to the fact that I won't be eating dinner with my family, that was a little bit, you know, he was worried that, oh, he felt bad that I would be sitting with them and just sipping. I usually sip like a mug of hot water or sparkling right. water or something. But, you know, once he realized that, hey, you know, this is actually helping her and it's, it's better. He, he's on board. And if, if they're eating something really good, I just tell him, hey, can you save something for me for my window? Right. You could have it later. Delay, delay. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so that's interesting too. Yeah. He's happy that this doesn't cost anything too. <laughs> because yeah. I, I've never tried any fad diets before. You know, being in the health profession, I knew that diets don't work. So I was always trying calorie counting and exercising and all that. But there was one diet that I did try. Have you heard of Metafast? Metafast at all? Is it where you, or do you take shakes? Is it that kind of thing? Yes. It's a protein-based diet. And so right. um, they Protein you, shakes. Yes. And sachets and food and everything. And you eat only that. And the reason I tried that for a while is one of my friends was a coach for that. And so I'm like, right. okay, maybe I'll give it a try. But that can get expensive because you're buying all your food from them. And so our daily grocery bill was like getting to 200, 300 just on that. So then that's something that my husband was happy about. This intermittent fasting costs nothing and works amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Saves you money. You're eating less food. Yeah. Yes. I wanted to talk about something you said earlier. You said that, you know, 80% of the chronic diseases that you see in, in your work would be connected to dietary choices. So you know, as a physician, how do you think that intermittent fasting could really just change the health of, of our nation and the world? So studies, you know, have shown how obesity and you know, obesity is actually a hormonal disease. And obesity is linked to a lot of the chronic diseases, whether it be diabetes or heart disease and the metabolic syndrome I talked about. And the basis of all that is basically what's been shown as insulin resistance. It's not the high amount of calories you're eating. It's not the lack of exercise. It's basically this hormonal basis, insulin resistance. And so if we can somehow increase the sensitivity to insulin or decrease insulin levels and break that insulin resistance, it's going to help people lose weight. It's going to help bring the numbers down, the metabolic syndrome numbers like the high triglycerides, the high blood pressure, the fasting glucose, the resting heart rate. I mean, to to help with all these numbers and to cut the risk for this chronic disease and heart disease, it's basically the starting point is your insulin and avoiding insulin resistance in kids as they grow up or when you're if you're an adult and you're already insulin resistant, trying to break that by fasting. And so, and Dr. Jason Fung has so many amazing, I mean, if you, there's this book, The Obesity Code, and then there's right. a lot of, I think, audio books, and there's a lot of YouTube videos on that, just talking about how, how fasting and how keeping your insulin levels low can actually help you overcome this metabolic syndrome, all these numbers, and keep yourself healthy. And that's going to increase your longevity, and that's going to decrease your chance of getting diabetes. Even diabetic patients, as I've said with my sister's experience, even diabetic patients have gone off insulin or even reversed their diabetes just by fasting. It's never too late to get on the fasting thing because, you know, there are patients who have had bariatric surgery and all that. And then that is an example of showing how no matter how obese or no matter how bad the numbers were, you know, you can actually get back with, with fasting. You can reverse reverse the whole cycle. And that's the beauty of it because it's not, it's never too late for people to start. I love that. I mean, that that's just so much hope. And the fact that, I mean, I do think that the New England Journal of Medicine article was the turning point. Yes. Yes. I mean, there was talk 
before that, there's been articles like I think in the cell biology and right. there's been some other articles too. But once it came into the NEGM, then it is just, and I, I start with that now, as I said, with my conversation with other physicians, I start with, hey, did you know that there's this article in the New England Journal of Medicine? And then right. you know, from there, and that's a good article, the book, Jason Funks, and then your book, The Delay Don't Deny, I think it's, it's such, I, I loved it, such a practical, easy read to have hand in hand, because sometimes the this New England Journal, that can be a little bit more scientific right. based, more sciencey, and so to have something more easy read, I think that Delay Don't Deny is amazing, and I, I can't well, wait for you. your next book. Is that coming out? Well, and at the, the time that this podcast is out, that's scheduled for July 2nd, by this date, when it comes out, my book will already have been out for a month. So the release date is June 2nd. So we're recording this at the end of March. So we're still not, it's still not out there yet, but okay. June 2nd, it, so as of this podcast date, people will be able to get it. So Fast Feast Repeat, available hopefully everywhere that you get your books. And it is a, a deeper dive into the science, but I used my same writing style to teach people, you know, just like I did in Delay, Don't Deny. I love that. It's such a nice, you know, like thank you. Conversational, very practical, very down to earth, which 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 people need. Well, I'm a t- I'm a teacher. You know, I'm not a doctor <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm sure with with handling the science and explaining it, there may be some errors in there, layperson errors and you know, I'm that's entirely possible. <laughs> because I'm but I'm I'm a teacher, but I think that, you know, that is my gift is taking something complicated and teaching it to other people because that's what teachers do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't wait for your book. I, I trust your validation so much, Jen. I actually started subscribing to Plated, but now they don't do the Plated meal delivery service anymore. Nope, they're gone. Yep. Have you started with Martha and Marley Spoon yet? No, no. That's my okay. new one. If you go to Is Jen Stevens, yep. Since Plated went out of business, I was super sad. But if you go, and so I tried a bunch of ones after that, trying to find one. And so then I found Martha and Marley Spoon. And if you go to jenstevens.com on the favorite things tab, there's a link to Martha and Marley Spoon and you can save like $20 a week for your first four weeks. So it's like you save $80 overall on, on it. And we have been so pleased with Martha and Marley Spoon that my husband actually likes it better than plated. Oh, interesting. Nice so, to know. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we tried Blue Apron for a while and then, okay, so I'll look into this. Yep, Martha and Marley Spoon. The the link is there on jenstevens.com on the favorite things tab and we really love it. I was really glad to find them because I kept trying different ones and I'm like, well, they're not as good and they're not as good. And then I was sad about plated. And then sure. finally I tried this one and I liked it so much that I re- reached out to them and said, hey, would you like to sponsor my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and they said, sure. So um, that was exciting because, you know, I love them so much. And now I'm spreading that to other people. Okay. Because I was going to say, I, I have the Juve, the red light therapy. Right. I bought the fields, the serapeptic. The, the, the CBD. So oh, yes, yeah. Yes. I'm totally on board with <laughs> whatever you're saying. <laughs> I love it. Well, I love that. But I really do. You know, if I say I love something, I really, really do. So... <laughs> There was one product. Well, I won't get into that, but people can tell if I love something or if I don't basically. Mm -hmm. So with the things that I'm talking about now, you can tell I love them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We are coming to the end of our time together. This has been such a great discussion. I love hearing from physicians. I love hearing from every guest, but I really love hearing from physicians because it validates what we're doing. And I know the audience loves to hear from physicians as well, because especially early on, it felt a little scary, like fasting was the Wild West and we felt like we were bucking the system. But now as you're coming on board and the science is validating it, it just makes us all feel like, you know, if we run across a naysayer, we don't have to be afraid. That's right. And so, you know, as as we end this podcast episode today, what would you tell someone just starting off with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? Yeah, I would couple of things. First of all, you know, to understand the science behind it, which really helped me. So either Dr. Jason Fung's obesity code, you know, listening to uh, his audio or YouTube videos. And then of course your book, The Delay Don't Deny. And then to start small and simple, you know, not to just jump on like 24 or 48 hours, but 
you know, maybe with 14 or 15 hours and then slowly increase it. And just to be persistent, it took me a month or almost two months to be comfortable with it. And so not to just give up too early, but just to, because it, it is going to, you are going to see the difference. It's going to show it on the scale. It's going to show on the non scale, a lot of other areas of your life. And in the beginning, you know, listening to podcasts just to keep yourself encouraged, to keep it going. And an organized person like me, I use some apps, like there's an app called Zero, And then I think your son has an app called Windows. Is that right? So, well, he, he actually, he created that app and it, then he sold it okay. spring of 2019. So he's no longer affiliated with the window app, but I will always have a soft spot in my heart for it because yes. he made it sitting right in his bedroom at our old house. Like I can still picture him sitting there making it for me, but <laughs> now it's different. They've changed it and it has a different subscription model, but okay. I still okay. will always love it because you know, that, that was my boy and we, it was kind of like, you know, we worked together to come up with something and, and that made me really proud. And he was in college when he did it. So huh. he was only like, gosh, 18 years old when he made it the, for the first time. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yes, That's get an amazing. app. Yes. App if you want to have some tangible reminder. And then finally, just tweak it, you know, just make it fit your lifestyle. Just like for me, I had to move the window to the morning hours to make it just fit my my day and my lifestyle. So whatever, you know, you can tweak it and make it because this is going to be, it's just not a diet. It's going to be your lifestyle. And then you want to make sure you'll be able to do it. So, yeah. Well, Linda, thank you so much for being here today. And I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you, Jen. It was amazing. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast.